Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. What's up, everybody? Good Monday morning. Glad to see you. Weather, by the way, going to be beautiful for whatever that's worth to you. I was just looking at it before I came live with you to see what the week was going to be like. This weekend going to be a little chilly, I suppose, but enjoy the week while you've got it. You've got pretty stunning weather earlier in the week. My name is Michael Borky. Glad to see you. Um, first of all, have you looked at the games this weekend? How many? We have like quality football games from morning to late night, like playoff implicated games, that kind of stuff. It's pretty impressive. The the slate we've got coming this weekend. I cannot wait, honestly, for for what we've got. You've got, uh, you know, here in the SEC, a, a big game, college game day coming to Oxford for Ole Miss and A and M State and Auburn's another big one. I mean, the SEC's filled with it, but nationally, college football, Michigan's at Penn State. That's a difficult place to play. Michigan's number seven. I mean, they have a chance at making the playoffs if they can get through Penn State and beat Ohio State. Oklahoma's biggest challenge yet this season on the road at Bay. I mean, all that stuff. Uh, so we'll talk about all that and also uh, the staff changes from uh, from Dan Mullen. Uh, I think, I think, this is a sign that he's going to be sticking around at Florida, at least for another year. And honestly, I think that's the right call. I do. Uh, there are people that think he should be fired, and what happened in Columbia on Saturday night is unacceptable, and it is if you're at Florida. What happened there is completely unacceptable. But when you consider, one, if, if they're telling the truth about the flu thing, that also is certainly a factor. Um but I think it would be the right decision to give him another year. So we'll talk about that. And then, again, the lines this weekend. Interesting slate of football. Really interesting slate of football. We'll talk about that this morning. Real quick, though, if you're watching on Twitter, you cannot, you can't comment. You can't be a part of this. And I would love for you to be a part of this. So hop on over to YouTube. Find me on YouTube. Michael Borky on YouTube. And subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can actually be a part. Like Fireman Chris and Jay Robertson. We'll get to all their messages here in a second, but you can't do that on Twitter. You can only do that on YouTube and Facebook. If you want to follow me there, you can. And on Twitter, I have the occasional funny thought on Twitter. Like what I said Saturday, I was really proud, really proud of a tweet I had on Saturday. And that didn't happen very much. I know my online presence is uh, is not ideal. Like I'm not very good at Twitter. That's why my followers compared to other people around me aren't really that high. Either that or people don't care about what I have to say. But um, I said something really funny that I was actually proud of uh, talking about Malik Willis. Somebody said to me, Taylor said to me, not a good day for Willis's draft stock. And I said, no, it's a great day because when you look at adjusted success rate of passes thrown on natural grass between the 37 and 39 and a half yard lines, he's actually the best in college football. <laughs> Uh, because somehow, some way, Pro Football Focus is going to find some way to spin Malik Willis's performance in Oxford this weekend. So follow me there if you want. And while you're here, actually 
uh, like the video, that would help me a ton. So Chris says, good morning. Morning, folks. How are you? Uh, Jay Robertson says, I saw that McGriff is taking over the defense at Florida. If that's right, Mullen might as well pack up. Yeah, we're going to hear a lot about eye discipline and uh, limiting the menu. That was the one thing that bothered me most. And nobody, I mean, it, it was rarely talked about, about how absurd that is. And at the time, I didn't really have the platforms that I do now, so I couldn't really go in on this. But um when you are a defensive coordinator at a place like Old Miss, where you've heard me say it before, I think you can get good players, like really good players at Old Miss and Mississippi State for that matter, but he was at Old Miss at the time. Um, you are not going to be able to out-talent Alabama or LSU. It's just not something that's going to be able to happen. They recruit better than you. That's how it is. And until you start recruiting better than them, you're not just going to be able to out-talent them. So scheme is very, very important, especially at places like these, because generally speaking, you're not going to get more talent than that of Alabama or LSU or Georgia, you know, the, the upper echelon places in college football. You have to compensate for that somehow, and scheme is a really good way to do it. Um, when you have a defensive coordinator with a defense that is lacking in talent, like Ole Miss, when he was the D.C. there, was not talented. And your solution to playing bad defense was to make yourself more predictable. No wonder you were so bad. I mean, we, we heard that every week, right? Oh, you just got to limit the menu. Make them think less. They're going to play better when they have less things to think about. So we're going to limit the menu is what was the, the term that was used. Limit the menu. Okay. So you're going to take your less talented players and make them more predictable with fewer things to surprise an offense or scheme up against an offense, you're going to limit the menu, and you think that's the answer to playing better defense? I mean, maybe at the end of the day you had players that couldn't grasp a more intricate scheme, but my gosh, that nobody, for, for many reasons, was willing to just be like, hey, wait, hold on, this is really stupid. But anyway... I would have been if I'd have had the platforms. Uh, it, you know, it's it's hard to uh, to recognize things like that in the moment. But the, every week, oh, just got to limit the menu. Just got to limit the menu for our defense, and then we'll play better. What are you talking about? You, you know, you got like Alabama coming up, right? If they know what you're going to do, what do you think is going to happen? Anyway. But yeah, that's a that's a tough look. That's really just a patchwork job until they can find a real defensive coordinator, and that will be going into uh, to next season. Ed Orgeron to Florida Fireman asked to help save Tail next season. I think Ed Orgeron's done coaching football, and I wonder if some of that has to do with maybe maybe there might be some things that are out there, maybe. Uh, we'll see what the NCAA investigation finds and stuff like that. You know, it, it it might be a school may not want to touch him until they know that he's clear, if that makes sense. So, but yeah, big news last night, Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen has decided to make a couple of staff changes. And these are a big deal, not just because he's making staff changes, but but who they are. He has extreme loyalty to John Hevesy, more so than Grantham, but both of these guys. So he fired his defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham, 
and also his offensive line coach who has been with him forever, been with him forever, like two decades. I mean, he's just been with him forever and, and fired both of them last night. And to me, I think this means, and I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. This, to me, feels like a sign that he knows that he's got another year. I saw some people refer to this as like a a Hail Mary that's not going to work. I mean, maybe that is the case. But I think because you can't just make these staff changes without your boss's approval. Um, I think this is a sign that he knows he's going to be seen or he's going to be given another year, that he's going to see 2022 making these changes at this time the most logical thing to me is that this means he knows he's got another year and he's getting the process started to finding his new DC and offensive line coach. There's probably more staff changes coming and I could be wrong about that. But to me, this is a sign that, uh, that he will be back as long as he wins out. Now, if you lose to Florida state or Missouri, then stuff gets weird and stuff gets weird really quickly. But if assuming they went out, go to a bowl game, I think he's getting another year for a couple of reasons. One, he is Scott Strickland's guy after all. And athletic directors do not like being tied to bad football coaches that they hired. I mean, this is Strickland's guy. He brought him over from Mississippi State. I think they have a really good rapport and Strickland knows how good of a coach Mullen can be. Um, so I think that's at least some kind of a factor, but also you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you're kind of a jerk. And he's got that reputation, whether it's fair or not, is not up for me to decide. But you guys know this. Mullen's reputation is that of a jerk. And so when you're a jerk and you say things like he did about recruiting, which, again, he did not say they don't recruit during the season. He's saying, I'm not going to talk about it with you guys during the season. But it got spun and, and all that because he's kind of a jerk and he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Um, also when you're like that, people like to pile on when you really look at what Dan Mullen's done at Florida, I think he not giving him another year, I think would be kind of a stain on your job. It's Florida. They'd hire a great coach. They got a lot of money, but there's some weird booster dynamics there. The facilities aren't as good as people would expect them to be truthfully. Uh, it's still a great job. They'd hire a great coach, all that, if they moved on from Mullen. But but two years ago, he won 11 games. Last year, he went to the – remember, he went to the SEC East – he went to the SEC Championship, won the East last year, is a thrown shoe away from, what, being fifth in the country in the playoff? And they had a real chance at winning the SEC last year. Like, they played well in that game. It was a close game. They went eight and two in a 10 game only SEC schedule last year. Like that happened. Um, and then from that team, they lost everybody. Everybody from that team last year was gone. So this was, should have been, was going to be a bit of a rebuild. That's what this was going to be. Um, so I think Scott Strickland is smart enough to recognize two years ago, they won 11 games. Last year, he won the East. Went 8-2 and two in an SEC-only schedule and won the East and would have been 9-1 and one if not for an idiot throwing a shoe. Like, if you just don't throw a shoe, you're 9-1 and one and you have an argument for the playoff. And 
maybe the that SEC championship's a little bit different. But either way, 11 games, what should have been, 9-1 and one in a 10-game SEC schedule, and you lose everybody off of that team. Firing him right now, assuming they went out, I don't think that's the best move for Scott Strickland. I think that really makes your job kind of tough because the next candidate who would be sitting currently probably at a Power 5 job would think, wait, you're telling me. You're telling me that I can win my division and the next year get fired? I can win my division, the SEC East, you know, with Georgia, and get fired the next year? Hmm. I think I'm good at Wake Forest. Or I'm good at Kentucky or whoever they'd go after. I'm good at Ole Miss, whoever they're going after. That does put more of a pause on your job. I win the division, go to the SEC championship, and the next year you fire me. I think I'm good where I'm at. That that would come into play too. So I think Strickland's too smart to make that move now, assuming they went out. And... Firing staffers, I think, is a sign that the AD has given him the go-ahead. Hey, look, you're getting 2022. You got to make changes, though. It's got to be different than this, but you're getting 2022. I just don't see an AD signing off on this just to fire Mullen three weeks later. I don't see that. Could be wrong. Again, I've been wrong before. I will be again. I don't see that here, but maybe I'm crazy. Zach said earlier, I mean, I just upset number 12 Maryland on NCAA 14 by running nothing but the prevent defense in a 73-70 shootout thriller. Maybe running a single defensive play works after all. <laughs> yeah, man, just here, here's your strategy. Just limit the menu. That's all you got to do. Brett says, with the fall of Auburn and LSU, the streak continues of SEC teams losing their next game after playing Ole Miss. Yeah, you know, people often say that, uh, you know, don't let Ole Miss beat you twice. <laughs> Don't let Ole Miss beat you twice. They're the new Alabama. It is interesting, though. That is, that is interesting. I, I wonder if um, if Liberty's going to lose this week. I don't even know who they play. Liberty football schedule. Let's see. Ooh, Liberty's next game is Billy Napier's Louisiana Raging Cajuns. I think they have a bye week in between that, though. Yeah, they do. So Liberty's off this week. That's a late buy for them. Um, they might lose their last two. I mean, they're they're playing Billy Napier and the Raging Cajuns and then Army the week after that. So tough sledding. But, hey, Pro Football Focus will find a way to, again, they'll find a way to spin those three interceptions as something that was, like, actually good. Like, the spiral was great on that second interception where – um, he completely telegraphed a pass and didn't see the safety just waiting over the top, I mean, you know, whatever. Anyway, so, yeah, I think Dan Mullen's sticking around. I think that this is a sign of him sticking around, and, and I think it truly, I know people like to pile on him. I understand. I really do. Uh, I think it's a sign that he's coming back, and I think that's the right thing to do. Again, 11 games two years ago, won the East last year. You don't go 11 games when your division fired. You should that that should not how be that should not be how this goes at all in my opinion. Anyway. 
All right. How about these lines this weekend? What an interesting weekend of college football we've got coming. Uh, I mean, aside from Florida playing Samford and Alabama playing New Mexico State, which God bless the, the players for New Mexico State. The week after Alabama plays like absolute crap at home to LSU, you're going to have a motivated Alabama team hosting one and eight New Mexico State. They are 51 and a half point favorites in this game. You just hope, here's scammers again, um, you just hope that they have like a running clock agreement in the second half. Like just don't stop the clock. Just line up, take all 40 seconds off the play clock and never stop the clock even if the pass is incomplete. Just run that thing in the second half because this, this game shouldn't be happening this late in the season. If you guys have listened to me long enough, you know my stance on that. I'm fine with these games being played. I understand the money, like my Furman Paladins, right? Furman's coming to Oxford in a few years. Uh, But Furman played NC State earlier this year. The athletic department needs that game. They need that money. It's a free million bucks. It pays for a lot, a whole lot at a school like Furman. It's like 5% of their total athletic budget. I mean, that's a big deal that they play those games. I I appreciate and understand that we need these buy games. I I want them to exist. I really do. Because it saves a lot of these football programs that would not exist without these big checks that they get all the time. These games should be done by the second week of October. Or the first week of October. There should not be New Mexico State at Alabama on what day is Saturday? November 13th. It shouldn't happen. Samford, the Birmingham Bulldogs, should not be at Florida on November 13th. I think play these games. I appreciate these games. They should not exist this late in the season. No way. That would be a rule change that I would make. Mississippi State at Auburn. Five and a half point favorite is Auburn at home against Mississippi State, coming off of a really bad offensive performance from Bo Nix. He's quite bad on the road, as uh, as we've learned. Um, it's a big game for State, big game for Auburn. Uh, Auburn still can control their destiny in the SEC, if you can believe it. They can still make um, the SEC championship. they got to beat Alabama, but they still can. So, Auburn still has a lot to play for. I think defensively, Auburn's quite good. It's a really big challenge for State. Luckily, the game's at 11 a.m. for the Bulldogs. But yeah, five and a half points is uh, is Auburn right now, at least the line that I'm looking at. I did not know this. New Mexico State has Kentucky after playing Alabama. Oh, man. Those, again, those poor guys. I mean, I guess they'll always get to say they played in Bryant-Denny, you know, I know Kroger Field doesn't really have the same allure as Bryant-Denny, but they'll get to say they played in these games. And the athletic department's going to get like $2.5 million for playing in these two games, but they're sacrificing their football team. (laughs) It's just a full-on sacrifice. Like, here, gods, please rain money down on us and take our football team with you. Um, Oh, that's brutal. So, yeah, five and a half. The over-under is 50 in that game. Um, It's a big one for State. They, uh, I think they have a chance to win this game. I, I really do. I, this is what we talked about Saturday night. This is that middle of the SEC where anybody can beat anybody, but State has to play much cleaner than they did last Saturday. 
We'll talk a lot about officiating on the radio show today, understandably so, but they didn't play clean enough. They Arkansas was perfect in the red zone. Like I said, Saturday night, Mississippi State was not. State had a bad turnover. Arkansas had no turnovers. State averaged 2.7 per carry. Uh, Will Rogers did not get off to the best start, although he was much better later in the game, and they had 10 penalties. I mean, you're, you're going to lose football games with 10 penalties, bad turnover, three missed field goals, not perfect in the red zone when your opponent is. You're going to lose games like that. They have got to be cleaner this week against an Auburn team that could not move the football at all, at all, against Texas A&M. And Auburn did the dumb thing, by the way. Tank Bigsby had like 15 carries in that game. What the hell do you think you're doing giving your best player only 15 touches? What what, what do you think you're doing there? I expect a much heavier dose of him this week. Samford against at Florida, no line there. Georgia is a 20-and-a-half point favorite at Tennessee. I'm not saying that Tennessee is going to beat Georgia. I'm not saying that because I don't think they're going to. But I think this one might be fun. I think this one might be fun. I haven't been in the scores are what they are. And Georgia is the best team in college football. Clearly, they are playing like the best team in college football. They have the best collection of talent in college football. I know. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that Georgia's going to lose in Knoxville. I'm not saying that. But I have not exactly been totally impressed with Georgia's offense, despite the scores that they've been able to put up. I'm not that impressed with Georgia's ability to score. Maybe, just maybe, on the road, tough atmosphere, Hendon Hooker in that offense for Tennessee can really score. You know? Maybe, like Williams says here, closer than the experts think, Lee Corso. You know? Let's just say I'm watching that game closely. Watching that game closely. Because Tennessee is not near as talented as, say, Ohio State. Or Alabama, as as we saw. Although Alabama's looked like crap lately. They don't deserve the number two spot, but like, who else are you going to put there? I'm curious to see if Tennessee has success moving the football against this Georgia team. Because if they do, there are some more talented teams in college football that Georgia will see play off SEC championship. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about this game. I'm very curious about this game. This is y'all I mean this is actually true. Like it's not even a hot take or anything. This is Georgia's most difficult game of the season. Yep, this is Georgia's most difficult game of the season, I think. At Tennessee. Yeah. At 5 and 4 Tennessee. This is the most difficult game on Georgia's schedule, I think. So we'll see if they can rise to the occasion. Uh, Missouri's a one-point favorite at home against South Carolina. That's an ugly game. Please don't watch it. Like you, you at least have some self-respect, right? You do. Don't watch this game. Do anything else with your day. <laughs> anything else with your day? Don't watch that game. Um, Texas A&M is a two and a half point favorite over Ole Miss. I, I saw yesterday it opened at around one, so early money's on Texas A&M. I think there is still some doubt from people on uh, who is going to play for Ole Miss. 
I know at least it sounds like um, all three receivers are going to give it a go. That's at least the the word out there right now. I'm sure Lane Kiffin's going to embellish it some today during his press conference, but the word is out there that even Mingo is going to try to practice and play this week. He may not, but we know that Braylon Sanders uh, is back. He played on Saturday. They kept him limited, but he did play. Um, word is that Dontario Drummond is going to play, uh, but possibly Mingo as well. So if that's the case, then Ole Miss has a shot here. But if they're not healthy and the offensive line still in the uh, injury spot that they're in, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be really tough. But um, it sounds like they're getting healthier. Like it's not the dire situation that it was two weeks ago for example, for this team, where, where nobody could play. And, I mean, offensive linemen were trying to go, but they couldn't go. And Drummond is on, like, half a leg. And Sanders is still banged up. And Mango's on crutches. Like, they, they've gotten healthier. And if uh, if all of those guys can give it a go, then it's going to be a hell of a football game, for sure. But two and a half in favor of Bayonem sounds appropriate. The, the wild card here, though, is Zach Calzada. I mean, when you dislocate your throwing shoulder, yeah, he came back and played and looked looked good enough. Um, he's wildly inconsistent. But, um, I mean, that's just not like a you're-all-good type of injury, right? I mean, when you dislocate a your throwing shoulder, I, I don't know how much a shot can do for you, right? I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know how much a shot can do for you there, though. That's a that's a wild card in this game for sure. Is is his health? Is uh, is his health? Uh, Kentucky's at Vanderbilt. Uh, Twenty one point favorite for Kentucky. They'll win by more than that. Vanderbilt is atrocious. Arkansas's at LSU. There are two point favorite at LSU. Uh, credit to those guys, by the way. Um, LSU still playing hard. They're still playing hard as hell, man. And, and Ed Orgeron walking off the field doing this like like he. Just won the game. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, that's a guy that knows he's about to get $16 million. Um, but walking off the field after a loss, whatever. But LSU still plays hard. Uh, they still play really hard. So we'll see if Arkansas is able to replicate the price. By the way, the get-in price for that game, $22 for LSU hosting Arkansas. $20, $22. So that's the SEC. Around college football, though, guys, you've got an awesome, awesome slate. So Thursday night, we get a, a little bit of a treat Thursday if you're not watching the NFL. North Carolina's at Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett's making a case for being a Heisman Trophy guy, and we'll see if he can put on a Heisman Trophy show by himself on Thursday night hosting North Carolina, who just knocked off Wake Forest. So that's a pretty decent one. Uh, Michigan, like I said earlier, at Penn State. Penn State, actually. A one-point favorite at home in this game. That's at 11 a.m. You've got two huge games on at 11 a.m. next to Mississippi State-Auburn. I mean, this is crazy that all three of these games are on at the same time. So Michigan at Penn State. Michigan, again, number seven. They have their one loss at Michigan State. The over-under for that's 48. Going to be a gross game at Beaver Stadium. But uh, huge game there. Uh, Oklahoma's at Baylor at 11 a.m. Oklahoma, a six-point favorite in Waco. That's at 11 a.m. And then Mississippi State-Auburn at Auburn at 11 a.m. So you've got number seven as a road underdog at 11 a.m. You've got number eight as a inside-of-a-touchdown favorite at number 12. 
And again, these are, are changing a little bit because Baylor lost, you know, and, and we'll get the rankings on Tuesday. But going into this past weekend, this is what they were ranked. Um, and Mississippi State, who was 17, they'll drop out completely at Auburn, who will be somewhere around 17 this week. That's all at 11 a.m. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, alongside Georgia, Tennessee is Purdue at Ohio State. Purdue just knocked off Michigan State, by the way. They're the giant killers. Ohio State is a three-touchdown favorite in that game, though, but that is right next to Georgia-Tennessee. You you know about Texas A&M, Ole Miss. Um, NC State is at Wake Forest. If Wake Forest would have won last week, this game would be a hell of a lot more interesting than it actually is. Uh, Notre Dame, my playoff wild card, is at Virginia. They're a five-point favorite at Virginia is Notre Dame. That's a possible upset city right there in Charlottesville. Got that one circled. Oklahoma State, who still has an outside shot at making the playoff at 8-1. and one. They're hosting TCU as two touchdown favorites. Uh, TCU beat Baylor last week. Jerry Kill apparently pulled some of the right strings, I guess. And um, possible upset to watch there. And then the late, late, late game is Washington State at Oregon. Oregon, who has really scraped by. I mean, really, really scraped by. Uh, beat Washington last week. Oregon is the Pac-12's last chance at making the playoff. It's a tough home game. They're uh, they're two touchdown favorites as well in that game. There's your nightcap if you want to watch that for sure. Cal says, as a tailgater, I hate 11 a.m. games. On the other hand, on my couch, big fan of the 11 a.m. games. And Cal, people like you are why they keep putting good games on at 11 a.m. They are learning. It's very clear that 11 a.m. is a time slot that people are watching. People are watching. I mean, the ratings numbers for 11 a.m. kicks central are really good, really good. Michigan, Michigan State had almost 10 million people watch that game. That is a huge, huge number. I think that's the most watched college football game of the year, I think. Could be wrong, but if if not, it's like way up there. 11 a.m. is a game, a time slot that the networks love now. Uh, primetime is just not really what it used to be. I mean, 11 a.m. is better this week than 7. It's, it is. There's more compelling games going on then than there is 7. They've learned that Saturday night is... It's why the college national championship is on a Monday. I, I've had so many people tell me, oh, more people would watch if it was on Saturday. That is not true. That That is absolutely... Not true. People have more things to do on Saturdays. They're having date night with their wife or their husband. They have uh, birthday parties with their kids. They they do people do stuff. They go out to bars. They do things on Saturday nights, and they're not exactly locked in to whatever sports are going on. But eleven o'clock in the morning, noon Eastern, yeah, people are chilling, hanging out before they do whatever they do on Saturday nights, and that's why the national championship is on Monday because you are far less likely to have something to do on Monday night. That's the best chance at getting the biggest audience. Saturday, Saturday night, is your worst chance at getting the biggest audience, if you can believe that. That's how it is. That's right, Fire. Exactly. This is exactly right. People watch 11 a.m. games, Fireman says, before doing other stuff on Saturdays. That is exactly what they've learned. And that's, get used to it. That's It's unfortunate, but... It hurts the atmospheres in these games. Like, it's good for State that Jordan Hare's not going to be full. 
it won't be full even. And the people that are there will not be, um, they won't be drunk. They won't be drunk and loud because it's morning. They'll be putting Bailey's in their coffee, you know. Uh, they've learned that. And so you're going to keep having good games happen at 11 a.m. Because people, more people are watching at that time and they have less to do at that time. But Saturday at 7, I got date night. Or I'm going to the bar with my friends. And group watching is not something that these networks want. So you got to get used to it. But get like four screens to watch your 11 a.m. games this week. You're going to need them. So don't forget to subscribe to YouTube. Michael Borky on YouTube. Subscribe. And while you're here, if you like what you hear, actually like uh, the video. That would uh, that would help me a, a ton. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I uh, usually do lines on Tuesday, but with all that's going on uh, around here, I uh, wanted to do it a day or so. Anyway, stay locked in. Y'all have a great week, and I'll talk to you tomorrow at 8. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.